You're listening to the New City Church Podcast. These episodes are recorded live on Gadigal land. Sometimes the audio quality might not be perfect because what you're listening to is a conversation. We don't edit out the chatter. We think that's what makes it authentic. Wherever you're tuning in from, we hope you find this episode encouraging. Who here has just been scrolling through the news, whether that's Twitter, BBC, Guardian, just looking at it, refreshing it constantly. It's kind of the first thing that you do when, yeah, I'm getting some nods. First thing you do when you wake up, the last thing that you do as you go to bed. Um, who has felt their mental health suffer because of that? Um, a few people. I know I know. I have. Um, if that's you, let me commend to you turning your phone off for a little bit, uh, you know, doing the, the looking after yourself kind of activities that are just really healthy to, to do. You know them, but it's really hard to do sometimes, especially when something like like war is breaking out and we see leaders who who we know and love and trust, these, these global leaders turning on each other or turning on us or turning on other people who are innocent, that's hard to look away, isn't it? Um, it's hard to switch off. Um, there was a, uh, a quote or a, a little script going around Facebook this week. Um, you know, I've just told you to turn it off and now I'm like, hey, let me tell you one. Um, but it, it's from MASH. Do we have any MASH fans here? Okay, we have a few. We have a few. I admit I'm not a I'm not a massive MASH fan. I think I've watched like three episodes in my life. They're not bad. Like it's, it's not terrible, but you know, enjoy what you want. But it goes like this. Um, Hawkeye, who's who's one of the, the key characters, who's a captain, he's talking to the chaplain. He's talking to the chaplain. He says this: war isn't hell, says Captain Hawkeye. War is war, and hell is hell. And of the two, war is a lot worse. How do you figure that, Hawkeye? Says the, the father, the chaplain. Easy. Tell me, who goes to hell? Sinners, I believe. Exactly. There are no innocent bystanders in hell. War is chock full of them. Little kids, cripples, old ladies. In fact, except for some of the brass, almost everybody involved is an innocent bystander. Oh, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, don't read too much theology of hell into that, but let that sit with you as a reality that in war, as we've seen break out uh, in our world this week, there are innocent bystanders. And we have seen leaders in our globe treat those innocent bystanders as fodder. And that's the tragedy. So we're here asking, what does it mean to be a good leader? Uh, but also, what do we do when our leaders aren't good? Uh, how, how are we to respond? What does it mean as Christians to live in a world where not everybody is Jesus? Not everybody is the good shepherd. How, how do we relate to that world? Uh, and it feels quite fitting that this passage has fallen this week um, because I think it's really important that we wrestle with this because they're real issues. Um, they're real issues that aren't going to get any clearer as we go through. Uh, if you've just joined us, uh, we are in the middle of a series going through the book of John. This series has been going for quite a while now. Uh, we duck in and out. We've been doing it for a couple of years almost. Um, so we, we want to do John, this incredibly theologically rich book, justice. And so we're going through it really slowly. 
Um, and uh, if you've been tracking along with us, you'll know that once we get to chapter 10, there is this real leadership crisis brewing. Like it's, it's been simmering for a while, but in the last chapter, it really came to a head. And Steph spoke to us a fortnight ago about the story of a man who was born blind and he's miraculously healed. And it's this incredibly wonderful miracle. And the Pharisees ask, why'd you do it? Uh, why, why would you do such a thing on a Sabbath? Um, and they start attacking the man who was born blind and they miss the point entirely. And we realize that there's, there's this political jostling that is happening. Uh, there's been Herod, the, the Roman army, the Roman empire, they're kind of ruling over Israel at this point in history. And then you've got your Pharisees and your Sadducees, your, your religious leaders, and they're wanting power. And it's kind of into this jostling for, for this position of power that Jesus strolls on in. Um, and Jesus starts referring to everybody else who is not in power as sheep. Uh, that's, that's you and me. We're the sheep in this situation. Uh, we, we are the, the little sheeples, um, for want of a better word, in the story that we have tonight. How, I wonder how you feel about that. I, um, I confess I Googled sheep memes. Um, and then after that, I was just targeted with videos of sheep for quite a while. So I've got two videos of sheep to watch. Um, and I want you to remember that according to Jesus, this is, this is you. Um, this, this is how you appear to Jesus the maker of the universe. You don't have to worry about audio. Oh, it's saved. Saved. We should pause it right there, shouldn't we? But <laughs> those online, the sheep just jumped straight back into the ditch. It's like looking in a mirror. Yeah, there, there was video number one. Um, uh, do we have the second video there ready to go? Let's watch it. Oh, it's an even bigger ditch. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Don't you reckon you could just watch that on repeat? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And yes, I did. Um, it's really quite enjoyable. Um, <laughs> uh, um, that's the sheep. That, that, that's, um, I don't know how, how you feel about that. Um, in fact, I'm going to ask you a little bit later, how does it feel to be described by Jesus as a sheep? That's one of the questions that I'm going to get you to, to reflect on. Um, uh, Jesus comes in and he says, you're all sheep. Let, let's, let's just recognize. In fact, he doesn't even say it. He just assumes it. It's, he doesn't even need to put it out there. He's just like, okay, here's the sheep. Um, and then there's all of these other factors around the sheep that are, that are either pros or cons. The thieves, they come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's, that's what the thieves do. Um, but I, Jesus, I've come for life. Uh, and that's when he chucks in the gate analogy, the metaphor that he is the gate. So I have a picture of a, of a old sheepfold that uh, it's a, it's a terrible picture, but you know, it was creative common. So I'm allowed to use this one. Um, so if you see that it's a, it's a sheepfold all around 
Um, and then there is the shepherd who is leading the sheep through the gate. Um, and that gate is the only way in and the only way out. And Jesus says, I'm the gate. I'm the gate in this situation. And he's about to go on a bit of a tirade and he's, he's launching some of his arsenal against the, the religious establishment of the day. And this is what he's saying. So, something along these lines, if you kind of take it in the context of chapters 8, 9 through into 10, he's saying God is building this kingdom. He's building this remarkable kingdom where generosity abounds. It's a kingdom of life. It's a kingdom of light. It's a kingdom of hope. It's a kingdom of those who give and give and never run out because it fills up in them. And you, Pharisees, you're literally trying to kill me. Uh, You're literally establishing a kingdom of death. You, Pharisees, you're not giving to the poor out of generosity, you're literally robbing from the poor. Um, You're not giving grace. In fact, two chapters ago, you tried to stone a woman. And if it wasn't for the grace of Jesus, it probably would have gone through this woman who was powerless to protect herself in this society. You're thieves. You're robbers. All of these sheep here, uh, these helpless sheep, that's you, that's me, all these helpless sheep in search of a leader, you're taking advantage of them. And and the Pharisees seem to be confused as to why it is that no one's following them. Uh, We saw in verse 8, guess what's happened? The sheep have not listened to you. The sheep have not listened to you. And so what's happened? Well, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, you would have seen that anyone who started following Jesus, anyone who has chosen Jesus as their good shepherd, as their leader, they're no longer allowed in the synagogue. They've been booted out of religious spaces. Imagine, um, I I don't know if you can imagine this. Um, Imagine a religious leader Booting somebody out of a religious space because they disagreed with them. Goodness, can you? <laughs> uh, it happens. It happens. Um, just imagine that. And that, yeah, I'm kind of preaching to the choir in here, and that most of us have experienced something along those lines. Um, and along comes Jesus, and he says. Okay, if you're the thieves and the robbers, if you're the ones trying to steal and kill and set up boundaries and boot people out, me, I'm the way in. I'm the way into this kingdom. And I'm the one who has thrown the doors open so that more and more people can call this sheepfold home. I'm the one who welcomes people in to be protected. I'm the one who welcomes people in to a safe space. And you can see why Jesus was starting to get followers. You can see why Jesus was starting to get followers. Um, and I think that there's two ways that, uh, that this 
gate analogy, this metaphor has been interpreted. One is kind of towards salvation and being in heaven. Um, and, you know, the, the idea that after we die, Jesus has saved us. Um, and, and that would be kind of a salvific reading that he is the gate into the kingdom of heaven. That's one reading. And then the other reading is that uh, Jesus is saying that his model of life is the way to the kingdom, that the way to the kingdom is the way that he sacrifices himself, the way that he lays down his life for the sheep. And I'm just going to leave those two different readings with you, those two different interpretations, because I'm not going to say which one's necessarily right or wrong. People far more intelligent than me disagree on this. Um, but I think uh, either way, what Jesus is saying is that there is this beautiful kingdom that you get to be a part of. There is this beautiful kingdom that you get to walk on into um, and that it's because of Jesus, the gate, that we get to take part in it. I don't want to say, um, for many of us, it has been church that has been a place that has been harmful um, and religious leaders that have been harmful, but that's certainly not the only type of leader that is harmful, is it? Um, uh, sometimes leadership in the broader world is even more harmful. Um, I was watching this week, Dope Sick. Has anyone come across it? Elkie has um, no one else. Oh, my God. Oh, Steph has, um, okay, I'm going to get commissioned later. Um, Dope Sick, Disney Plus. It tells a part of the story of the opioid, opioid crisis that swept through America. Uh, and it focuses in on one pharmaceutical company owned by one particular family, the Sackler family. And it tells two parallel stories. One is the Sackler family's meteoric rise in wealth. The other is the meteoric rise in opioids across America as they created these drugs that could be used and abused. Um, as you watch it, you are just left gobsmacked that... Uh, a certain family surrounded by certain voices could have so much leadership in such a harmful capacity. Death just ensued everywhere that they released this medication, and yet they held so tightly to profit. They held so tightly to profit. Those voices, those actions, those leaders are not of the kingdom of God. That is anti-Christ. So much of what we might call late-stage capitalism is anti-Christ. Uh, so many of the powers at play in our world are anti-Christ. And Christ, he doesn't put up those boundaries. He doesn't cast people out. He isn't the one stealing, killing, and destroying. He's the one bringing life, giving and resurrecting. So I think that's what we're getting at when we say that Jesus is a gate. He's saying, come on in. Come on in. Join this kingdom. You're welcome here. So what does it then mean that Jesus is the good shepherd? I'm going to throw some questions up for you to, to have a think about, and then I'm going to pass the mic around once you've, you've had a chance to ponder. Here's the questions. Number one, we've already flagged this one. How do you feel about being described as a sheep? How, how does that sit with you? Um, how does it feel that Jesus describes us as sheep? Second question, what does it mean to you that Jesus is the good shepherd? Now, I want to flag, there's no right or wrong answer here. Um, 
something that we say constantly in this community is that you are welcome to disagree. Um, in fact, the fact that we disagree on a whole bunch of things is what makes our community stronger. Um, so bring in your thoughts. What does it mean that Jesus is the good shepherd? Next question. In this story, who are the hired hands? Um, and what's your experience of hired hands? Now, that one might be too close to home. You might just want to think about that, or you might want to share. Um, who are these hired hands? Um, and the final one is, what about the wolves? Um, what, are, what, what are the wolves that Jesus is talking about in this story? Now, in order to just give you a moment to think, I'm going to read out some of the passage just to give you a chance to sit and be reminded of what, what's going on here. I'm going to read from verse 14. We're in chapter 10 of John. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, says Jesus, just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the, the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, not only, uh, sorry, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down my own, I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. And I'm going to go up to verse 11. Another important part. I'm the good shepherd, says Jesus. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd, doesn't own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep, runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Okay, there we go. So there's the questions that I'm going to throw over to you. Um, we're not going to go in any order. You can, you can tackle one, then tackle another, or just riff off any of them. Turn to the person next to you and just throw out your initial thoughts with them, and then I'm going to call us together in just a couple of minutes, and we'll have a bit of a, a discussion. All the best. This one's over to you. Um, who, who has any thoughts that they would like to chuck out? Wise thoughts, unwise thoughts, um, happy thoughts, frustrated thoughts, any sort of thought? Sammy. Um, I don't mind sheep in general. I feel like... <laughs> They're cool. They're nice. Um, for me, it's A, a metaphor, and B, it's, I think, Jesus' way of taking a very complicated concept and putting it into words that people will be able to understand easily and universally. Um, we were kind of discussing the idea of, you know, Jesus sees a people that will follow the loudest voice or the most attractive voice or are easily scared and kind of run to what they know. So to put that in simplest terms, Yes, Jesus does dumb it down a little bit, but I think that's the most accurate term that he could have used to describe us. The bit that I don't like is the assumption that that means we don't know what's best for us and we should just follow something blindly instead of actually thinking about it. Um, yeah, that was, that was my thoughts on sheep. Yeah, 
Thanks for sharing. Good thoughts. I was just thinking as you were saying that, Sammy, that there's probably some like assumptions that we have about sheep that we bring in about the value of sheep and like our relationship with sheep is very different now than it was in this setting. Uh, and I even think of what I've learned from uh, Aboriginal Christians in how to like value images of, you know, other parts of creation. Um, that I probably bring that as a bit of a, an assumption in here that, you know, maybe I don't value sheep as much as I should. Hmm. Sheep hater. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the... the <laughs> the vegan sheep hater. Um, I mean, the, I mean, you know, if we jump to another parable, there's mixing it up a bit here, but you know, Jesus is happy to leave the 99 to to save that one sheep. Like sheep are valuable. Um, yeah, good point. Other thoughts? Um, I was just reminded of the video you showed, and I was thinking. I do jump into the same ditch multiple times. So it's pretty fair, you know, like you may have learned something one week and you're like, oh, thank God for the lesson. And then you do it the next month. So, yeah, I felt like it was fair. A fair description. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, there's well-worn ruts of mistakes that we make, aren't there? Yeah, and no matter how hard we try, we, we fall back in. Um, yeah, good point. Um, other thoughts, either on sheep or good shepherd or hired hands or wolves? Ren? I was attempting to try and differentiate between the hired hands and the wolves. Because um, I'm like, these are two different groups that Jesus has distinguished here. So I'm like, okay, to try and figure it out, I was like, what, what might have he been referencing like back then? So I thought maybe the hired hands are like the Pharisees and the Levites and the people that have been like set up in positions of leadership but aren't doing that job very well. You know, they, they aren't caring about the sheep. And so Jesus is like, you know, you've been set up in these positions but you're not doing that job well. Um, and then I'm like, okay, but then who are the wolves? Who are the, they trying to protect them against? I'm like, well, in that situation, you know, of where Israel was at the time, you had they were under Roman occupation. And so maybe the Romans would have been described as the wolves back then. And so it's going, okay, these are forces that are kind of like outside the church, if you like, that are oppressing the people and are coming against the people. And these people in positions of leadership are supposed to be like protecting and helping the people through this. And they're not, they're helping themselves and protect themselves rather than protecting the people. Um, yeah. So that was, or I was like, maybe that's how it should be interpreted. Or maybe. <laughs> Look, it's, it's the nature of these stories. We're supposed to wrestle with them and trying to work out, well, where, who fits where? Um, does anyone neatly fit where? Um, yeah, good one. Thanks, Bren. I also struggled with the difference between the hired hand and the wolf. I think that's, that was quite hard. Um, I, it's, this might be a stretch, but I also thought the hired hand is anything, anything that we look, we depend on or we look to who we think is going to help us. And even so, 
people with addiction or alcohol dependency and that sort of you think that that is the thing that's going to help you but actually it's not when the wolf comes it's not there for you so yeah that's what I thought yeah thank you Dan I don't know if I'm stretching it as well, but I think that kind of hit home to me thinking about the higher hands as people that want to be in leadership for the title or for the status the position brings. And then when things get real, they just disappear. They're nowhere to be found. So yeah, I think that was probably my experience with hired hands in the past. Yeah, I'd say a lot of us have had experience of hired hands, um, leaders who are there and then disappear. So funny because our conversation about hired hands was like a little more positive. Maybe we took it a different route, but I was thinking like hired hands, like I'm a care worker, I'm hired hand, like I'm someone who's paid to support people in the community and how... I wouldn't do that if I wasn't paid. I mean, I would do it to an extent, but I wouldn't do it for 40 hours a week. Um, and how the only person who does that is Jesus. So like, I kind of I kind of took hired hands to be like all of us, like none of us are above the hired hands. It's not just the bad church leaders. It's just the people who, you know, I don't know. Who knows? But yeah, we had that, that weird positive thought about hired hands. <laughs> I, oh, like in our conversation, um, Thomas reminded me and kind of brought up the fact again that in other passages, there are pastors who are described as being shepherds of the sheep. So I think there is a, like a separate distinction there is anyone who isn't Jesus as the good shepherd is either going to be a hired hand, which as described in the passage is someone who cares nothing for the flock and they don't care at all, or it will be someone who is actually a shepherd of the people and does genuinely care. Um, but I also really like that interpretation. That's really cool. Um, yeah. And then I think in the modern context, I think it's a lot harder to differentiate between the hired hands and the wolves because so often uh, the church politics is so emotionally charged that you can see someone who might've been a hired hand in the past has now become a wolf in your eyes because they're so aggressively hurting who you are as a person or hurting the church. Um, even when in the past that would have just been labeled as a hired hand because they're kind of neglecting the church. Whereas now I feel like it's a lot harder to tell the difference between the two. In our conversation about the hired hands, we also like one of the main points about them or key points about them is that they're afraid. And so when danger comes, they run away. So it's not so much that they've got the bad motives like the wolves do, but that they're afraid um, and so and cowardly and yeah, and I was like, oh, sometimes I feel like I can be that when there's like danger, like the desire to like run away and to like hide from danger. Yeah. Yeah, I think I got the sense in this passage that there are some people who are fit for this role and some people who aren't and like not everyone can take on the role of a shepherd. And that's where I think you have beautiful like work across the board where people uh, kind of go into places of, of leadership or care or whatever that is and kind of I think leadership is something that we all do in any capacity kind of thing um, but like yeah being fit for that role or not really separates I think the hired hands and the shepherds who are like doing it well or not uh, and not everyone should be in all roles. 
Yeah, thanks, Seth. Other thoughts? Okay, this could be like my crazy Hillsong stuff coming up, but I feel like less than a sheep. Like, I feel like a sheep is a generous way to describe me. Like, I feel so content and happy to be so small. And so, like, I feel like I need to just, like, humble myself even more because when I start to feel that feeling of like, oh, I'm not a sheep. I don't do the same. Like I do the same things over and over and I sin every day of my life. And I'm without Jesus. I'm in that ditch a hundred percent of the time. Like I'm the mud in the ditch. I'm not even a sheep. Like, so I feel humbled hearing myself called a sheep and not even deserving of that. Um, I love something that Chris said. I hope you don't mind if I just say like, Chris said, like, we're not just sheep. Like we're Jesus's sheep. Like we haven't owner we have like a the shepherd so we actually do we belong and we're so valuable because we're jesus's sheep um yeah Mm. yeah i love that i love that um and there's this recognition of inherent worth in that statement i think like we're um yeah when uh we're not just sheep we're jesus's sheep like we actually belong to somebody and there are these hired hands who might be nice people but as soon as it gets hard they're out of there um, and you know, I think sometimes I feel of myself as Chris said, as a hired hand, like I know that, um, I struggle to care well, like I'm not this brilliant, good shit. There's only Jesus is a good shepherd. Um, and we all belong to Jesus. Like there's something really beautiful in that. Yeah. Cheers. Any other thoughts? Um, gosh, we're a wise bunch. Um, feel like I'm talking a lot but I think it just highlights the importance of people in those roles because the direct well-being of the sheep and like how they live their lives and whether their life is good or not is directly related to how um, they're cared for Uh, and so it's like this is showing how important people in those positions and the way that they do leadership directly impacts a whole flock and their livelihood. Um, maybe with that in mind, what are what are the types of wolves that we see in our world that could threaten um, threaten the flock? Um, so feel free to be as specific or as vague as you want in this question. But what are the what are the types of wolves that we could encounter that would threaten this space, the the our people, our our community, Jesus Kingdom? Um, did anyone get to that in their conversations or have any thoughts? Dogma. Dogma. What do you mean by that? Um, Insistence that I know theology, my theology is right, your theology is wrong, nothing will ever change that, I'm sticking to it. How dare you believe that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Any other thoughts? I think if I if we were another type of church, people would say kind of, you know, religious freedom discrimination would be up there. Um, and I wonder if there's a, a similarity for us in some field in, um, you know, there's plenty of places where it's tough to be a Christian. Um, it's tough to, uh, it's tough to say, you know, you believe in a resurrected Messiah. Um, 
and there's a lot of flack going around about Christianity. And so being a light in those spaces can be hard. I don't know if that's a wolf though. This is a very abstract wolf. Uh, just need to figure out how to say this. Um, like a lack of empathy because Jesus is very clear that the, all of the flock is one and all people are involved. I think both Christian and non-Christian have just a degree of struggling to empathise with one another and struggling to see where the other people are coming from. And I think generally empathy is also seen as weakness in a lot of spaces. So I just think that, yeah, we ha we have to always keep an eye on our empathy for other people and making sure that it's not allowing us to dismiss them because we don't understand what they're going through. Oh, good. Yeah. I was thinking um, we could be the wolves to ourselves, you know, based on past beliefs and attack your own self. Um, maybe a little bit more, a practical one, noise. Noise is a wolf. The noise of the noise of busy life. Um, the noise of social media, the noise of all the things that distract us from the inner piece of connection with the shepherd. Thank you. Yeah, it certainly feels like it's anything that threatens to just rip us away from who we are in Jesus. Um, it doesn't have to be a person. It, it, yeah. Um, I, I struggle with the framing of this question because it's, it's like any church that thinks about this question is going to have a different wolf. And it's been used for me to demonize me because it's like anything that threatens to upset the balance or the values of the church. And as soon as someone comes in with a different uh, perspective on things and oh well, that's the wolf because now they're coming into the space and upsetting and they you know they've probably got a hidden agenda and then it just becomes this whole thing uh, meanwhile this person who's different is actually like the one sheep who's sort of um, like on the outside of things so it's like it's an uncomfortable question you know because then I think oh now we're in a unique space and we're thinking oh well, who's gonna upset the balance of this church but I don't want to start you know framing the question in the same way that would lead me to demonize people in the same way that you know this question was used to demonize me in other settings you know yeah thanks rob yeah so true this one feels a bit obvious maybe but the capitalist society that we live in <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah i think that can divide us and split us apart and tear us down in so many different ways. And yeah, I think that's really hard. <laughs> and I just wanted to riff on that because you've mentioned busyness, you know, the, the framework that says you have to be working and your worth is in how much you produce and like certain people are successful within that you know there's so much in the the big frameworks like I think about the big empire that we have but you know that we had the Roman empire we have yeah I was going to say capitalism as well Bren <laughs> um white supremacy is a big wolf in the church and everywhere throughout the world yeah Gosh, so true yep yeah
I'm going to pause there um, because there's clearly so much that we could say, um, but you should come to the pub and keep discussing because um, there's the like uh, the, these are big things that we want to wrestle with and wrestle with as a community. Uh, what does it mean? Shepherd, this may sit with you, it may not, but this is just how I want to wrap up our little bit of time together before we sing. Um, uh, you are free to be a sheep. You're allowed to be lost. You're allowed to be wandering. You're allowed to be wondering. You're allowed to have your doubts. You're allowed to be unsure. You're allowed to be in the ditch because we have a good shepherd, shepherd whose rod and staff will guide us. And in that confusion, in that doubt, in that ditch, Perhaps today we can gently encourage ourselves to consider following Jesus' voice as the good shepherd because Jesus' voice sounds like this. You are dearly loved children of the most high God. You have inherent dignity and worth. You are more loved than you could possibly imagine. You are worthwhile and valuable. Sure, you've messed up. But that doesn't determine who you are because that has been wiped away completely. And Jesus says, I'm inviting you to live in a kingdom of generosity and light, eternal hope and goodness. And so in a world of leaders who seek to steal, kill and destroy, when I put it like that, I feel like that's a voice worth listening to, little sheep. Friends, we get to sing. Uh, we get to sing of the goodness of God. Um, so I'm going to hand over to Becky and Yen to lead us in that.